Biathlon is a unique Olympic event. It challenges participants with opposing athletic endeavors in a singular competition. It combines the heart-pumping aerobic aspects of cross-country skiing, matched with the intense focus of precision marksmanship. Two diametrically opposing forces testing every ounce of physical and mental strength of athletes. Welcome to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. With each episode, Heartbeat brings you insights into this fascinating sport. One of the great backbone athletes of the U.S. Biathlon team for the past decade has been Leif Nordgren. This week on Heartbeat, we'll chat with Leif, reflecting back on his career with some great stories. Leif was born in Colorado, where he grew an early passion for skiing. He prospered in cross-country skiing when he moved to Minnesota at the age of 10, discovering biathlon when he was a teen. With three Olympics and nine seasons on the IBU World Cup Tour, Nordgren is finally calling it a career at the age of 32. In our conversation, we'll learn more about how the Vermont National Guard program played such a vital role in his career and his ambitions now to become a helicopter pilot. We'll also explore the birth of his young daughter, Astrid, coming into this world during the opening days of the Olympic Winter Games while Daddy was in Beijing. Today, Leif Nordgren is comfortable with wife Caitlin and his young family at their home in Vermont, reminiscing on his time as a biathlete and plotting out his future as a soldier. Let's listen in as Heartbeat Talks with Leif Nordgren of the U.S. Biathlon Team. And it is springtime in Vermont, and we are uh, heading there to Heinsburg, Vermont. And uh, I can look at him on the screen, Leif Nordgren. Thanks for joining us. Is it some kind of spring in Vermont now? It is. We, um, well, probably more than some parts of the country. We don't have any snow. It's been it's been pretty brown for a good month now. But we did have um, a short two day spurt at the beginning of last week with about five inches of snow. So. That's kind of how it is in the Northeast. It comes and goes. Um, so for now, it's brown. I'm sure we'll have snow again, though. We're going to get into Olympics. We're going to get into your career and get into your new beautiful baby girl. But before we do, a little bit of an unusual spring for you. Uh, first time really in your career that you're not really looking forward to a competition plan. Uh, are you going nuts yet? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Um, it's been pretty smooth. You know, April is kind of always the down month. So um, that's one thing I was definitely expecting this year. Um, I'm sure when we get into May and June, I might I might start to lose my mind a little bit. But um, no, my wife and I are are have always been pretty active. So um, it's uh, yeah, we're we're outside a lot. We do a lot of hiking, a lot of running and cycling, um, paddling, things like that. So I'm sure we'll stay pretty active. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it actually. I'm, um, as I've kind of been reflecting on, on, uh, how I would normally start, you know, this time of year, it's, it's actually kind of nice, you know, not to, not to have to do two workouts every day. And, you know, I'm, I'm not as tired as I would normally be. And I have gobs of more time to, you know, work on the house and spend with family and stuff like that. So, um, all in all, it's been, yeah, it's been really good so far. 
Well, we have a lot of territory to cover, but I'm going to just dive right into it. I know that most of the biathlon fans who are listening to this Heartbeat podcast are really anxious to hear about the big news of your season, and that is having this beautiful baby girl. And let's just to, to recap for folks who may not remember the scenario, while most people are going to the Olympics and in Beijing trying to freak out about COVID protocols or plan what they're going to do in the opening ceremony and all this stuff, you're really focused on one thing. You had a due date of February 4th, which was the same day as the opening ceremony. Your daughter was born a couple of days later. I mean, what was your mindset going into Beijing? Probably not as uh, focused on the competitions as it sh- should have been, maybe. Um, yeah, so I was I was definitely, um, definitely thinking, you know, a lot of my thoughts towards home. Um, I had been gone since November, actually. So I, you know, I hadn't seen my wife since November. I hadn't been able, um, been here to, to help her out and, um, things like that. So yeah, as the, as the due date got closer, I definitely had a lot more, um, of my, of my thoughts, you know, towards home. Um, you know, going into the Olympics, into that first race, um, I was very, yeah, very distracted. It, It was, um, it was a big, big distraction for me. And it, it kind of transformed, you know, that, that race, that individual, I think, which was on the the seventh. So the day after she was born, uh, or the eighth, perhaps, um, I was, yeah, I was a little out of it mentally. And I think that kind of showed with, um, my performance that day. Um, but you know, that, that's just kind of how it is. I think, I think one nice thing about, about having Astrid is it's, um, it's given me a, a, a much, bigger perspective on life. I think, you know, for the last 10 years or so, my, or 15 years, I guess my, um, my life has really been all about biathlon. Um, and so it's nice now to have, you know, a a bigger family aspect to focus on and to think about. And it's, um, yeah, it's definitely kind of opened my eyes a little bit to, uh, um, you know, there's more to life than, than just sport, I guess. So. Leaf, did you have a sense that all of America was there with you. Uh, I think everybody was was watching that, watching you on the Today Show and just, you know, trying to get behind you. And even though you were 10,000 miles away, you had the heart of a nation uh, riding there with you in Beijing. Yeah, it, that, that whole story definitely blew up a lot more than I was expecting it to. Um, I think, I, I don't remember how it first started. I think... Um, just doing some of the pre-games interviews, you know, I had kind of mentioned that the due date was the same day as the opening ceremonies. Um, I, you know, in, in past Olympics in Sochi and Pyeongchang, I definitely, I, I don't think I really received hardly any media attention at all. So um, to go from, you know, zero to a hundred was a big eye opener for me, but it was cool in a sense. It was, it was nice to kind of get our story out there and spread it around a little bit. Um, you know, all the, all the media personalities that I talked to were, um, you know, really, really nice, really, um, accommodating to that. And, and, uh, yeah, it just, it, it definitely was a bigger story than both my wife and I expected it to be. Um, but it was, a it, it was a cool thing and, you know, we'll have, we'll have something really neat to tell Astrid when she gets older. And, um, we have a lot of, pictures and stuff. And, and I think some recordings from some of our, uh, video interviews. So, um, yeah, that'll be a a really neat thing to show her when she's older. Were you able to stay in pretty close contact with your wife, Caitlin, uh, in the lead up to the birth? 
A little bit. So yeah, the day before, um, on the fifth, we were talking quite a bit, um, on, on video chat. And then I actually would have been the sixth in Beijing. So I went to bed on the night of the sixth. And I think right before I went to bed, she had mentioned that she was not feeling so great and might head into the hospital soon. Um, so that kind of ended my, uh, sleep for the night. I was definitely, (laughs) definitely thinking a lot about that, you know, trying to, you know, well, trying to stay awake so that, you know, I could be there, uh, if, and when she did call. So, um, yeah, I think she called at like, I want to say two or three in the morning, um, when she was kind of starting the, the, the final, um, the final process there. And then, I, I think I went back to sleep for about an hour or two, and then I woke up right around five o'clock, um, and I was up for about two hours. And um, when she was going through with the birth, um, so it, it was it was really pretty neat. You know, her mom was in the phone, so I was on uh, video chat the entire time um, with her mom and with her. And um, yeah, it was definitely as close as close as I could be without without actually being there. So um, yeah, it was a it was a, a neat experience. Just one more thing before we get to talking about biathlon. Uh, you are a part of a really close-knit team and a an entire family of fellow athletes from around the world. Did you get a lot of support from your teammates and from your fellow competitors? For sure, for sure. You know, all of all of the the U.S. team were um, probably on their you know on the edge of their seat as much as I was. Um, I think Jake Brown texted me like seven or yeah, five o'clock in the morning that morning, like, did it happen yet? Did it happen yet? Um, so yeah, both, you know, the guys, the women on the team, everyone was super supportive. Um, so it was really, really cool to, to, uh, you know, spread that news to them when, when Astrid did arrive. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, the international scene was, was also very supportive, you know, all, all the, um, athletes that I'm friends with were really happy when it happened, really supportive. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool. I, I talked to definitely some new athletes that I hadn't talked to before too. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was a big, a big thing around the, the competition scene too. Cool. Well, it was just a, it, just a great story. And for listeners who haven't met Astrid yet, go to, uh, Leaf's Instagram channel and you can see some wonderful pictures. Let's get on to biathlon and we'll start at the Olympic level. You ended up in a career that uh, took you to three different Olympic games competing in Sochi, Pyeongchang and Beijing. What are your memories as you look back to those three Olympic games in which you were a competitor? Well, I would say, you know, each of those Olympic games was, um, a totally different experience. I would say, you know, starting off in Sochi, um, I was, I was pretty young back then. I was 24. I was pretty new on the world cup scene. So that Olympics for me was kind of a, uh, an introductory experience, let's say. Um, I'm not sure I was expecting very much. Um, personally, I was, I kind of felt like I was there just to kind of get a handle on the Olympics, get a handle on, you know, that level of international attention and things like that. You know, I, I didn't end up having any any really good personal races at that Olympics, and and I was okay with that though. I was okay with um, just being there, kind of soaking up the scene, and and you know, I knew that would help me, um, you know, going into the into the future World Cup 
seasons and, and into future Olympics too. Going into Pyeongchang, I definitely had much bigger um, goals and aspirations. Yeah, unfortunately there, I again, I didn't really have any good personal races. And that was something that was really frustrating to me. Um, it was, it was, uh, it was just tough. You know, I, I had come off some good World Cup seasons before that. You know, I was in, in my opinion, maybe the, you know, one of the, the, the prime, you know, sections of my career, I guess I would say. Um, so I, yeah, I was expecting a lot more of myself there. Um, it didn't happen, but, you know, in Pyeongchang, we did have the, the sixth place in the men's relay, which, um, was really cool to be a part of, you know, that was definitely for me, I think the highlight of that Olympic games. Um, so, you know, even though I didn't have any, any personal, you know, good results, it was, it was nice to end that Olympics, um, with that high note with the men's relay. Yeah. And then going into Beijing here again, I had much higher uh, aspirations than what it ended up being, you know, be, being that this was my last season, I knew it was my, my, the end of my career. It was, yeah, it, it was not, not the way I wanted to end my final Olympics. Let's say that um, I was, I was pretty disappointed with the results. Um, but again, you know, biathlon is a really tough sport. It's a really, uh, it's a really, demanding sport to to stay at the top for a long time and you know i'm i'm not saying i was ever at the top but just being on the world cup circuit you know training every day for um for 10 years twice a day you know it's it's something that um when you put that much time into something and you don't get what you want out of it um it's uh i guess really kind of humbling to to you know ask yourself the questions of you know what went wrong why did it go wrong um, things like that. So, um, yeah, unfortunately that's how biathlon goes sometimes. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough now that I have, uh, you know, my life moving in a new direction and I have new things to focus on and, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that. We're going to talk later about some perspectives that you can probably draw from this, but I want to, before we leave Beijing, talk a little bit about the operational aspects. That was a big story going in. No one had ever been on those courses before. I think you were able to sneak some technicians in early to uh, get some snow analysis, but what was it like going in totally blind to an event that no one had ever seen before? Well, it was kind of nice to know that you were on a totally even playing field, I guess, with all the other athletes. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of times there's, you know, especially as American athletes going to, to biathlon venues in Europe, you know, you, you know, back when I was younger, you know, I, I would see some of the World Cup venues for the very first time, whereas, you know, a lot of the European c competitors have been training and racing on those venues since, you know, they were 15 years old, um, even younger than that sometimes. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that that kind of evened out the, uh, the playing field a little bit. Um, you know, besides that, it was, it was a good, it was a good venue. I actually really liked the venue. I really liked the tracks. Um, it was a difficult venue, I would say. Uh, the, the wind on the shooting range was something that was really demanding, um, and really, uh, I think kind of surprised a lot of people. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't really like a constant wind in a lot of, uh, aspects. It was, it was very gusty. Um, it was, it was really cold wind, <laughs> um, which, you know, the cold just makes shooting 10 times more difficult than it has to be when, 
you know, when your fingers are frozen and your eyelids are stuck together and, and things like that. So, um, the, the thing that I found most difficult was the, the altitude. Um, it was a really, really dry air and it, it made, I think it gave a lot of people, um, trouble, you know, on, on the ski course from a breathing standpoint. Um, I know that's, that's the thing that I think, um, really hurt me the most, but, um, again, you know, it, it was, it was the same for everybody and, and some, some athletes handled it better than others. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely a memorable experience from how difficult the conditions were in Beijing. Let's take a look at your overall career. And just to update the listeners, you grew up in Colorado at the age of around 10. I think you moved to Minnesota. You found biathlon when you were in high school and really dedicated yourself to it over this this past decade. As you look back over the span of your competitive career, Leaf, what are some of the highlights for you, be that at the IBU Cup, National Championships, World Cup? What are some races that you look back to that are particularly memorable for you? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would say, you know, first and foremost, I'm, I'm really, I think the most proud of my eighth place and in Antolts at world championships in 2020. Um, that was, that was a big moment for me. You know, I, I had just spent that entire, uh, summer at, at national guard basic training and, and the schools that follow that. So I had missed about four months, a little over four months of training that year. Um, so I don't think, I don't think anyone from myself to my coaches, to my teammates, um, expected me to, to have that kind of a result there. So that was, that was something that was really special for me. Um, it was really great. You know, the last four years, uh, the guys team has been a really tight knit group, a really close group, um, with the coach Vegar. So it was really cool to be able to share that experience with them. And, um, you know, they were super supportive and, and it kind of, I think it kind of riled the whole team up and, and, uh, you know, made, made those guys hungry that, you know, they, they could have, they can have results like that too. And I think the last, the last couple of years and the next couple of years to follow now, I think you'll see, uh, guys like Paul and Jake and Sean really, really pop off some good results. Besides that, I would actually, I think, go back all the way to my first world championships back in Conti Manzisk in, um, 2011. And that was a play that was my, my first world championships. Um, again, I had, I really had no expectations, I think for those races. Um, I think, and I was, let's see, 2011. So I was 22 at that point and that was the, the end of my first world cup season. So, um, yeah, I was just a, a young kid back then. And I, I think I came in and had, I think, three top 25s and I qualified for my first mass start. And uh, yeah, again, it was it was totally out of the blue. I don't think many people expected that from me, um, but it was it was a great experience. And it gave me a lot of hope going forward that that, yes, I can do this sport and, and I can compete here on the world stage. And, uh, you know, it, it it motivated me, I should say, for uh, for years to come after that. You were among a group of athletes a few years ago who went into the National Guard program. You're still in that. And maybe tell us a little bit about how that helped you as an athlete and what you are doing within the Guard moving forward. So, yeah, I, I actually first started um, thinking about joining the Guard all the way back in 2010. Um, 
you know, for various reasons, I decided that it, it wasn't the program for me back then. And, you know, I, I, I just kept on training with the national team and, and kind of going that route. And then, um, yeah, in, in 2019, you know, talking with my wife about, you know, the, the, the future plans that we had as a family, um, I kind of decided that, hey, I don't have many years left as an athlete. You know, I want to have a good uh, route forward once my athletic career is finished. And so, yeah, I, I, ex- I re-explored joining the Guard, and uh, it's been great. And now I'm definitely kicking myself that I didn't join back in 2010. But no, we. so I live about 20 minutes down the road um, from Jericho, Vermont, which is where the, the National Guard team um, has their training base. Yeah, the, the, the greatest support that I've gotten the last um, three years of my career here was just being able to train on a world-class roller ski venue every day, all summer long. Um, you know, that was something that, um, Lake Placid hadn't, hadn't really had, um, in the last, the last 10 years or so. Um, so it was, it was really great just to, just to have the, the access to some really great facilities here in Jericho to, um, kind of, you know, do the best training that I could. You know, and, and besides that, it's it's just nice to be a part of, you know, the National Guard team. They have access to different coaches. Um, there's different athletes that train here. So, you know, it, it's a different um, a different group mentality than than than, than uh, uh, the national team. So that's been that's been really great, too. Yeah, going forward, uh, my plan is to stay in the Guard. Um, I'm actually hopefully going to flight school for helicopters um, for the Guard coming up um, probably in the next year. So um, I was I was planning on going this year, but uh, the way the, the timing worked out with the end of the biathlon season, um, it looks like I'll be getting pushed back to early next year. Um, but, uh, starting actually on this Thursday, um, I have kind of my first, um, first big interview where, uh, hopefully I, I should get accepted into that position. Um, and so, uh, once, once that happens, I will, um, yeah, I'll have the green light to go to flight school. Um, and then after that, it's just basically waiting around for, uh, for that date to come. Sweet. What's your rank right now? Your military rank? Uh, so right now I'm a specialist. E4. And how does that, uh, and you're in the Army National Guard, correct? Army Guard, yes. Um, yeah, so once, once, so there's actually two different schools that I'll have to go to. Um, the first school is um, Warren Officer Career College. So I'll go to that in October, it looks like right now. Um, so at the completion of Warren Officer School, I will um, basically be promoted from the enlisted ranks into the officer ranks, into the warrant officer ranks. And then once I'm a warrant officer, then, then I'm eligible to actually go to flight school, um, which is why that has to come first. Um, so that's, that's why flight school will not actually start for me, um, until early next year. Do you have any piloting experience in your past? I don't personally know. Um, my, my dad was, uh, in the air force for a long time and then he flew commercially, um, for 20 years after that. Um, my brother was also in the air force and my grandpa was in the air force too. So, um, it kind of runs in the family, I would say flying does. Um, but yeah, personally I have, I have no flying experience, so that'll be interesting. Um, but 
you know, I, I, I imagine I won't be the only one going into flight school. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, you know, that's one thing of being in the army. They, they teach you everything that they want to know. So it's, uh, I, I don't expect it to be, um, too much more difficult than if I did have a lot of flight experience, but we'll, we'll find out. Well, it's, it's just an interesting career. I'm a pilot myself, and although not very active these days, but I, I, I think you're embarking on a really amazing uh, direction. Let's just get back to uh, biathlon for, for a bit. If you hearken back to those days uh, growing up, and particularly in Minnesota, when you, you're an athlete and you discovered biathlon, did you ever have a thought of the pathway that that would lead you down for the next, really, 15 years of your life? No. I definitely didn't. Um, yeah. So growing up in, in both Colorado and Minnesota, cross country skiing was really, you know, the only thing that was really on my radar. Um, I didn't, I don't think I even knew, I knew what biathlon was back then, but I didn't know, I didn't know they had a world cup. You know, I knew it was in the Olympics too, but, um, yeah, I, I didn't know the, basically the size that, uh, biathlon is in Europe. I didn't know, um, how, how big of a sport, how well known of a sport it was there. So I, and I don't think I, I really didn't know that until my second world junior, um, championships, which took place in Ruppelding, Germany, which is kind of the, you know, the, it's always, yeah, the biathlon Mecca is what some people call it. Um, so, you know, you go to a World Cup there and there's, you know, 40,000, 30, 40,000 fans um, and it's loud and it's it's a big party for the for the fans, basically. Um, but even at that World Junior Championships, there was probably five or six thousand people there almost every day watching, um, which was crazy. You know, as a skier, I had never been to that big of, of an event before. So, um, yeah, that was where I think it really opened my eyes as to how big of a sport this is in Europe, how, how much fun it is. Um, and that really motivated me to, um, yeah, to keep going to, to, to put in, you know, the work that I did and all the training that I did and, and, uh, go, go as far forward as I could with the sport. As as you look back today, you've you've had a great career in the sport. People do look up to you. Juniors look up to you. Kids look up to you. What advice and counsel do you give to that junior biathlete or someone who's just discovered the sport? They're 15, 16 years old. What advice and counsel would you give to them so that they can be successful at their newfound passion? So, yeah, generally speaking, I like to tell um, kids that there is absolutely no substitute for hard work. Um, this is a, a very demanding sport. It's a very difficult sport and you have to put in the time you have to put in a lot of effort, um, in, you know, many different areas. It's, it's not just, um, you know, you have to be strong. You have to have good ski technique. You have to have good shooting technique. Um, you know, I, I think, one of the things, one of the biggest um, differences for me when I went from a junior to a senior is um, I worked with Armin Alkenthaler, who was the, the national team shooting coach back then. And, you know, he, he started doing shooting drills with me that were, you know, totally different than things I had worked on before as a junior. Um, and that that is something that 
really started to develop my shooting skill um, a lot, uh, even back then. And, and I think that's something that, that really rose my personal level of, of biathlon. Um, so yeah, there's, there's no, there's no substitute for hard work. You have to put in the time, you have to put in a lot of effort. Um, you have to, you have to make sacrifices too, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to your family, when it comes to, you know, other areas of your life, there's, there's really no shortcuts that you can take in biathlon. So, um, yeah, hard, hard work is, is the biggest thing I'd like to say. Do you see good opportunities for young athletes today with the direction that U.S. biathlon is headed? I mean, as I look around the, the country, there's more biathlon programs around the country. There's more attention. We're coming off a wave of really some pretty interesting results over the last decade from a number of different athletes. But how do you kind of characterize the state of U.S. biathlon today and the opportunities kids have to move up through this program? I think it's, it's going nowhere but up. Um, you know, if I look back to when I was a junior, um, back in, you know, 2007 to 2010 era, just the amount of junior programs has, has grown a lot since then. Um, but not just, not just junior programs. So they're, they're actually some of them very, like very high level junior programs, you know, just, I think the, the quality of junior coaches has risen a little bit since then. Um, the quality of ranges, you know, equipment has, has grown a little bit since then. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's only a sport that's really accessible in, you know, Northern snowy States, but, you know, I, I think the, the, the amount that those programs have grown, um, just in size is a, a really good indicator of, of things to come. Um, you know, I think one of my favorite stories I like to tell, I think it was my first World Cup in Norway in Holman Kolen, uh, Oslo, back in 2011. And I had never been there before. And I think I went out for a run um, one of the evenings and I happened to run past the biathlon stadium. And it was completely filled with kids, you know, probably from five all the way up to 12, maybe, um, there's probably 150 of them there just skiing all over the place, skiing into the range, you know, doing technique in little groups, doing, you know, other ski drills in little groups. Um, and so, you know, yeah, if, if us, if us wants to be competitive in biathlon, it, it, it really needs more numbers in, in kids that it can recruit. And so, you know, I look at the growth of a lot of the junior programs across the country in the last couple of years, and um, I think we're definitely on the right track to, uh, yeah, to find um, a higher number of athletes that, you know, the, the more you find, the, 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 be the better chance I think you have of developing some really good ones. So I think it's, it's a good thing to see. As we wind down here, I want you to maybe dig back a little bit and give us some perspectives. Uh, uh, biathlon has been a big part of your life. Sports been an part of your entire life. As you think about it today and your new life that you're embarking on with uh, Caitlin and with your daughter, Astrid, what has sport and biathlon in particular, what has that really brought to your life that you'll carry forward from this point on? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think it really says a lot about, you know, many athletes that, um, that go a long time in a sport that, um, it's a good thing to be able to carry that dedication, um, to one, 
one single thing, you know, for, for years and years on end. Um, so yeah, for me, I, I think it's, I think it's a really cool thing to, um, you know, to have said all the way back in 2008, you know, that this is, this is what I want to do. This is the one thing that I want to kind of pursue in my life. Um, and yeah, to have carried through with that for 14 years, um, at, you know, at the highest level, I, I'm, I'm really happy with that. Um, you know, I, I did not have the best career that I wanted to, obviously, you know, I think, I think a lot of, uh, well, me, me, especially, I, I had some really big goals back when I was younger. Um, and you know, I, I didn't necessarily meet many of those goals. Um, but some of them I did and, and I'm really happy about those things. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that I was able to stick with the sport for so long to get such good support out of, you know, the U S biathlon program and the, the national guard program. Um, cause you know, w- without those, you know, I, I don't think I personally would have really had, uh, had much of a career to, to speak about. So, um, yeah, I'm really happy with, you know, the friendships that I made along the way, um, with my fellow athletes. Um, it'll be exciting to see, uh, the team in the next couple of years and see how they, you know, progress on. And I'm, I'm, I'll always be cheering for them and, and um, pulling for them in every race. So, um, yeah, overall I'm, I'm, I'm happy with my career and, um, I, uh, I don't, you know, didn't take any of it for granted. And I'm, I'm really happy with all the experiences that I had. So. IBU did a really cool thing at Holman Colon this year with a little bit of a victory lap for all of those uh, World Cup athletes retiring. Uh, that must have been a fun moment for you and for all of your fellow competitors. It was. It was. It was really cool. It was actually Claire who uh, Claire Egan who organized that. So that was a really cool thing for the outgoing athletes. Um, I <laughs> I actually missed that. I was I was off packing skis. I think I I just lost track of time, and so I. I missed skiing around with all the other, um, retiring athletes, but it was a cool thing. You know, I, I, when I came out of the wax room, they were all down in the, the center of the stadium and, you know, everyone was cheering them on and it was, it was a cool thing to see. Um, and I, yeah, I hope it's something that the IBU can keep going, um, for future years. Leaf, any final thoughts for your biathlon fans out there listening to the podcast? Oh, I don't think so. Uh, I just like to say, yeah, thank you for the support over the years. Um, it's been really cool to see USBA grow and, and kind of find its way forward um, the last the last 10, 15 years. So I'm excited for the sport. I'm excited for, you know, the future of biathlon in the U.S. So, um, yeah, you know, keep on keep on supporting those younger junior athletes because uh, they need it. And and uh, thank you for all the support and motivation in the past years. Well, Leif Nordgren, we've enjoyed following your career. All the best to you and Caitlin and Astrid. Uh, and we'll be looking up to the sky at your helicopter in a few years. Leif, thanks for joining us on Heartbeat. Very good. Thanks, Tom. Leif Nordgren brought a lot to the sport in his time with the U.S. biathlon team. It's fun to hear his passion as he plots out the next chapter of his life. Have you caught the recent episodes of Heartbeat? In March, we talked with Lowell Bailey and Tim Burke about the Beijing Olympics, and the Soldier Hollow Youth and Junior World Championships. And earlier in April, we talked with retiring biathletes Susan Dunkley and Claire Egan. 
We hope you're enjoying Heartbeat as we tell the story of America's biathletes. You can help us by sharing the link to Heartbeat on your social media channels and also telling your friends to listen in. Remember to subscribe to Heartbeat to get every episode delivered directly to you and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. Thanks for listening to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon Podcast. Podcast.